October 15th, 2018. Joe Schreibogel is just one of the several exotic cat exploiters who has threatened my life. The Florida Wildlife Commission's stated mission is to protect and serve, but in my experience, they only protect their right to kill animals and preserve that right at all costs. Most of the physical attacks on me have happened while trying to speak up for animals at the FWC meetings. In the past, they have typically turned a blind eye to it. I am hopeful that considering the actions of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and the FBI on the Schreibogel case, that it will become safer for those advocating to protect animals at these meetings. One case in particular that leaps to mind is where I was walking down the long hall to a set of double doors where the FWC was holding a stakeholder meeting. That is usually a crowd of hunters and fishermen lobbying for more ways to kill animals, and me and two or three other women who would attend to oppose the land grabs and free-for-all hunting regs. There would always be a lot of intimidation at those meetings, but this time was worse. Coming down the hall behind me this time was Vernon Yates. He was a trapper that the Florida Wildlife Commission could call on to pick up any kind of nuisance animal or for seizure of illegally kept exotics. We were told Vernon Yates would then sell those animals back into the pet trade or feed them to his growing collection in his backyard, but we could never prove it. His yard was less than two acres and borders a grade school playground. He had something like 75 big cats, bears, and other exotics there at the time. I was there to ask for a ban on the private possession of exotic cats. Vernon Yates was there to make sure no such ban took place. He is a violent man and has physically attacked me twice. I was gathering up my courage to go through those double doors, knowing I would be greeted by a room full of hostility. I didn't hear him come up behind me and lunge for me until just as I opened the doors. He yelled some obscenities in mid-leap as the weight of us against the door bursted open. On the other side, the FWC officers leapt to their feet and went to draw their guns, pointing them at the door. It was kind of a Barney Fife moment, as I recall. When they saw that it was just me being attacked by their buddy, Vernon Yates, they reholstered them and sat down. Fortunately for me, Vernon Yates was so startled by the guns in his face, or the fact that all eyes in the room were on him, that he dropped practically in mid-air. He then just found a seat, cursing and swearing at me the whole way. I had suffered only a little shock and hair-pulling in the ordeal. I would often stand through these three-day-long meetings with my back against the wall, just so that I wasn't forced to sit in the midst of a couple hundred people who would rather see me dead than there. There were times that I hired security to watch over me, and other times that the venues told me they didn't want me there if I needed to hire security. I learned to not alert the venue staff that there could be a shootout because I couldn't attend the meetings if I did. Circa 2003. The other time Vernon Yates physically attacked me was at, at an evening meeting of the FWC where the topic was feral cats. I can only guess why Yates was in favor of shooting feral cats, which is what the FWC was proposing, adding feral cats to the list of species you could hunt. Naturally, I was there to oppose it and had brought a van full of volunteers from the sanctuary to speak out against hunting cats. After the meeting, the six or so of us from Big Cat Rescue were walking across the lawn to the parking lot. One volunteer, a doctor's wife named Barbara, was walking a few steps behind me. 
She had her own encounter with Vernon Yates a while back when he was transporting a tiger on a flatbed across the Courtney Campbell Bridge. It was dark, but she recognized him this night as he burst from the darkness, flailing at me from behind. She's got to be 10 years older than me, so at the time was mid-50s, but she jumped in between my attacker and me and took the full force of his 250-pound frame. I spun around at the impact to see Vernon Yates and Barbara being joined by another huge, burly figure. That guy turned out to be a circus owner, Lance Ramos. At first, I wasn't sure what was going on. We are no friend to the circus, but I had business dealings with Ramos. I had hired him to help us move some tigers from a closed facility to Big Cat Rescue before I had my own transport cages. We also bought meat from him because as much as I hated his work, I was able to inspect the beef he provided at his plant and ensure its quality. No one else in that industry would let me see what went on behind closed doors. Other places were chopping up greyhounds who had lost at the tracks and passing it off as beef. Back then, I couldn't afford the diets we have now. It became clear to me what Lance Ramos' intentions were as the brawl went on. He began beating the snot out of Vernon Yates for attacking a woman from behind. In between blows, Ramos told us to get out of there before all hell broke loose, and we did. Circus folk all stick together, so I knew Lance was going to win this one. There have been dozens of times that Yates has hurled insults and obscenities at me, and as have other numerous exotic cat owners. At another FWC meeting during a break, Alan Riggerman, an exotic cat owner, was threatening a woman who looked a lot like me from behind as I stepped out onto the balcony above. When she turned around, he was embarrassed into stopping his tirade. I've endured a mailbox full of spiders, a mailbox full of snakes, and having powder sent to me in an envelope during the anthrax scare. I've even had to have my mailbox checked by the bomb squad when the flag was suspiciously wired by someone wanting me to think they'd rig the box to blow. Most of their threats are veiled, either in content or in the online aliases they create for such purposes. Another bad actor, Dennis Hill, had been the original backyard breeder to threaten me by saying that he knew Mario Tabro the Cuban-American cocaine kingpin who spent more than a decade in prison for leading a drug and wildlife trafficking ring worth $75 million. Now that Mario is pimping out cubs for pay-to-play schemes, the people he deals with to obtain and possibly dispose of the animals seem to feel they can call on him to do to me what was alleged at his trial, dismembering a federal agent with a machete. These are the kinds of people I have to deal with every day, but things are changing. If you're enjoying my diary, please like, share, and subscribe. You can find other ways to connect to me over at bigcatrescue.org forward slash carol.baskin.